We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. For 25 years, sports author and commentator Bill Littlefield has held a unique position in public radio. As host of Saturday Morning's Only a Game, he's hosted the network's only national sports program. But that role's coming to an end in late July when Bill retires. His credentials go far beyond sports. He is an author and educator with degrees from Yale and from Harvard University's Graduate School of Education. Bill Littlefield joins us now via the long line from WBUR in Boston, where only a game originates. Bill, great to have you with us. It's good to be here. Thank you, Don. I'm so sorry to hear that uh, you're leaving the program. I enjoy it. It gets my Saturdays off to a great start. Well, I, I, we've been trying to do that for lots of people for a long time, and I appreciate the sentiment, but uh, I'm sure the program will be fine going forward with uh, whomever they choose to put in the host seat. Nobody's uh, no, selected yet, I guess. No, there's a fierce competition uh, underway <laughs> even as we speak. All right. So are you going to put your feet up on the back porch, or do you have other <laughs> projects? Uh, I have a number of other projects. One of the things that happens – uh, or at least it has happened to me over the long period of time that I've been doing commentaries and stories and hosting only a game is I meet people who are doing all kinds of fascinating and interesting and worthwhile things. And I find myself thinking, oh, gee, wouldn't it be great if I could get involved in that project or the other project? And there's some of them working with incarcerated kids, for example. There's a program uh, that collects used books and teaches kids at risk how to run a business by selling the books and keeping track of, uh, you know, the bookkeeping and all the rest. Uh, and some of these folks have uh, indicated that they would uh, be happy to have me tag along and see what I could do in their uh, in their operations. So I'll be doing some of that and some teaching, and I hope I'll be doing some writing as well. Interesting, you, you're pointing toward uh, incarcerated kids. They're they're getting a lot of attention these days, aren't they? And and with justification, I personally believe uh, they've been kind of lost in the process. Uh, but now people are paying attention. Well, we are unhappily a society that uh, tends to try to solve problems by putting people in jail regardless of uh, of age. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, anything I can do to, to help bring attention to that and help some of these kids out, I will certainly happily do. Of course, a lot of attention being given that issue in a different way today with what's going on down on the border with Mexico. Yeah. Uh, I'm Boy, what a great opportunity to talk about this. Uh, it's disgusting. It's um, uh, humanitarian uh, values have been totally tossed out and uh, uh, members of the current administration justifying it in the most uh, duplicitous, uh, hypocritical and uh, utterly unbelievable ways that I've ever heard. And I've been around for a long time. Yeah, well, there is indications, there are indications this morning that uh, an executive order may soon be signed to uh, stabilize this situation and put parents and kids back together. But uh, stay tuned, as we, as we yeah, often exactly, have to say. Exactly. I mean, you never know what's going to happen day to day with uh, with this particular uh, collection of thieves and grifters. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Well, you're not holding back on your language as you. This is what happens when you get ready to. Re this, this is what happens when you get ready to retire. You know, what are they going to do to me now? 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the intertwining of, uh, of sports and politics. It's nothing new, but there's a lot of it going on these days, in particular with uh, football and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and, and some of the things that have been going on. What's your take on all of that? It's fascinating to me the way this has developed. Uh, I assume when you say now you're referring to the events that sort of began with Colin Kaepernick deciding exactly. to take a knee. Uh, what's fascinating to me is the willful distortion of what some of these players have done. Uh, Kaepernick and others have been absolutely clear and very articulate in explaining that they're not disrespecting the flag, they're not disrespecting the anthem, they're certainly not disrespecting the military. Many of them have relatives uh, in the military. Uh, What they're trying to do is make a statement about the fact that young black men in particular and black citizens in general have been uh, mugged and beaten and in some cases shot and killed by the police. Uh, This is uh, a situation which anybody with any sort of perception and compassion should be objecting to and protesting against. And uh, these legitimate protests, these legitimate exercises of free speech have been distorted and misrepresented by people who are just trying to gain political advantage uh, by calling uh, NFL players who take a knee SOBs. Is this a proper role for athletes, though, do you think, to uh, to protest? Again, I say it's nothing new. We can go back to the 68 Olympics and Muhammad Ali and, and even beyond that. But is this sure. the role that athletes should be playing? I think it's a role that anybody should be playing. I think every citizen in the United States ought to be thinking about how do I make my country even better than it is? How do I make this nation that I love and in which I live uh, even better and more admirable and uh, more compassionate uh, and more more given to justice than it currently is? I, athletes have as much right to do that as, uh, as anybody else. Do you think they've been effective at it uh, recently? Yes, I do, because I think they have very successfully brought these issues to the attention of people who might rather say, well, why don't you just entertain me and forget about the political stuff? It's gone well beyond that. And we've also had not only athletes, but coaches and even some owners and general managers saying we support our players. They have a right to uh, make their uh, to to exercise their social conscience and their free speech, and we support them in doing it. And this is all to the good. What do you see, Bill Littlefield, as the as the role of sports in twenty first century America? Is it as it was twenty five years ago, fifty years ago? Well, uh, now fifty years ago, that's <laughs> very interesting. Uh, no, uh, it's not. Uh, one thing that we can say about the role of professional sports in this country now that was certainly not true 50 years ago is uh, it makes people rich. Uh, <laughs> it didn't used to make the players rich because the players used to labor at the whims of their uh, the, the fellow who's own, fellows who owned the teams. Um, certainly entertainment is a big part of what sports is supposed to do. Uh, certainly, in at least a temporary sense, a winning team can bring a region together. And uh, you're in St. Louis. You know the Cardinals have done that on any number of occasions mm-hmm. very effectively. Uh, but uh, to me, also, part of the reason we put only a game together to begin with 25 years ago was uh, sports lift our spirits. We look at people doing extraordinary things on the field or on the ice or whatever, 
and we say, my gosh, uh, that expands my understanding of what dreaming can accomplish and what human beings willing to work hard and take advantage of their talents can accomplish. Uh, Watch the gymnasts uh, at the Olympics sometime. Uh, Watch the people who were dedicated to breaking records go out and do it. Um, and watch, you know, on a daily basis, some guy chase a fly ball and, and haul it down just before it would have gone over the fence for a home run. And you say, holy cow, this really teaches me something about human potential that I hadn't thought about today. <laughs> are, are today's athletes better than they were back in the day? Well, I think you can answer that question in two ways. First of all, the male athletes are certainly better than they were because their nutrition is better and they're making so much money that they take care of themselves in ways that uh, that athletes 25 and 50 years ago probably didn't do because uh, there wasn't the incentive, uh, the multi-million dollar contract if you, if you manage to take care of yourself and have a long career. Um, but the other thing that's much more important is Uh, 50% of the population had virtually no athletic opportunities when I was a kid. There were no college scholarships for females playing basketball or ice hockey or or soccer. Uh, There were no professional teams for women who wanted to play soccer or basketball or ice hockey or any of those sports. Uh, There was no lacrosse for women. Uh, uh, we, We live in a wonderful era where women are finally beginning to get the opportunities that men have always taken for granted for themselves. We haven't come as far as we need to. We we haven't got a population that supports and pays enough attention to women's sports uh, to the extent that they should. But we're moving in the right direction. And to me, that's the most exciting and extraordinary development in sports in my lifetime. These are the kinds of things that you talk about uh, on your program and have for a, a good many years. When you started out with only a game, what what did you perceive as uh, your mission in this uh, in this project? Well, there were a number of missions. Uh, happily, nobody uh, made me do the academic thing and say, write down your goals, write down your missions, write down your evaluation uh, tool. <laughs> we mm. We were kind of flying by the seat of our pants. But, of course, we wanted to be entertaining because we realized if we weren't entertaining, nobody would listen. Uh, Of course, we wanted to be informative, and we wanted to have some fun. Uh, So we used to do uh, sketches and shtick uh, as well as everything else, and we wanted to be able to do what journalism does, that is, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted insofar as that was possible, too. And those goals have informed a lot of the stories that we've decided to do and and particularly the things that we've stuck with over the years. How did you come up with uh, Charlie Pierce? I'll tell you, I enjoy listening to him. And I was I, I guess I first came across him on your program. And then all of a sudden I'm watching the cable networks and he's yep. he's there as a political <laughs> pundit and, and a darn good one. Yeah, Charlie started as a sports writer here in Boston, and I knew him uh, from those days a little bit. And when David Green, who was only a game's first senior producer, and I sat down and said, what would, what, what would be a good thing for us to have as a regular feature? And we both agreed that having Charlie Pierce on the show on a regular basis would be terrific. And happily, uh, he agreed and we've had a, a heck of a good time uh, meeting virtually every week and uh, 
and talking about whatever it is he wants to talk about. But you're right. His uh, energy and his expertise extend way beyond sports, and his Esquire blog is spectacular. And like you, I look forward to his appearances on the political shows as well. Yeah, he is great. Uh, it's World Cup time, obviously, and the whole world is is watching and waiting not so much maybe in this country. I wonder why it is that America has never taken to soccer uh, the way the rest of the world has. Well, it, it kind of depends on how you measure it. Uh, the, the America, the United States, has taken to soccer if you measure it by participation. There's a tremendous number of kids and adults playing in recreational leagues and, of course, uh, the Pro League MLS has had uh, growing success with a few uh, bumps in the road. Um, but as far as, the, uh, as far as the World Cup is concerned, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because the U.S. team, men's team, has never gone very far in the World Cup. So if you're a U.S. citizen and you're a soccer fan, you always have to have some fallbacks for when the U.S. Com- bounces out of the tournament, right? You mm-hmm. always have to say, okay, now I'm going to root for Spain because they play so beautifully, or now I'm going to root for Mexico because they're our neighbor to the south, or or now I'm going to root for Iceland because, holy cow, Iceland <laughs> got in the tournament. How did that happen? So even if the U.S. had been there, uh, fans in this country, I think, are used to saying, well, we got to have a couple of different ways we can go as the tournament goes on, and that's part of the fun. Uh, that you uh, you adjust your expectations and and maybe even your allegiances as the tournament goes on. It seems to me that women have fired up fan interest in that sport a lot more than the men have. Well, the women's team uh, that won the first World Cup in China was a terrific team in 91, and they got better and better and better as that decade went on. And I had the extraordinary good fortune to meet some of the women on that national team. And then, of course, uh, when women's pro soccer got started, the the first two manifestations of women's pro soccer in this country had teams in Boston. And I got to hang around, and and we had my my wife and daughters and I had season tickets to see the Boston Breakers play and uh, got to meet a bunch of the players. And uh, it was was quite uh, extraordinary. They did teach people to appreciate teamwork because the, on the national team especially, those women had played together for such a long time. They had grown up together. And when they got on the field, they really seemed to know, each one of them seemed to know where everybody else was going to be. So mm-hmm. their passing was extraordinary. And uh, watching them play was a, was a real education in the game. It sure makes a difference when you win, as you indicated earlier. That It uh, does that, indeed. Yeah. Or, or at least when you give your fans the opportunity to think you might win. I mean, you don't have to win them all, but you like to be competitive. Uh, just looking at other sports now, Bill, uh, it, what do you think the, the future of professional football is? This concussion thing is a big deal, and uh, the Kaepernick thing is, is, has been a big deal. Uh, and it has been kind of America's pastime even beyond baseball for a good many years. What's its future, do you think? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. It has been America's pastime for a good many years, and it's long ago left baseball in the dust in terms of numbers and 
and uh, the fan interest that uh, the NFL has generated. And then you throw in college football, which in some areas of the country is uh, even more popular than the NFL. People are are absolutely nuts about their college teams. Um, I think it's a gigantic – the NFL is a gigantic corporation that's making a lot of money and making a lot of owners uh, very, very wealthy. And uh, probably it's not going to, you know, crash and burn anytime soon. On the other hand, uh, if they continue to be as hypocritical uh, and as deceptive regarding uh, CTE and some of the other conditions that uh, retired pro football players are experiencing, uh, they may be digging their own grave in the long run. Uh, And uh, there's certainly lots of parents out there who are saying to their young boy children, let's think about a sport other than football that you might enjoy playing. There really is some traction there from what we see and what we hear, certainly in this part of the country, that uh, parents are pulling kids away from that sport. Yep. Yeah, I think that is true. And uh, when the president of former president of the United States says if he had sons, he wouldn't want them playing football, I think uh, that has some impact. How about baseball? Uh, You have indicated that that uh, is no longer technically America's pastime. A lot of people love it, especially here in St. Louis. Of course. You know, the game is slow, and uh, that's an issue today. What's its future, I wonder? Well, you know, the the old cliche in baseball was uh, always baseball is a boring game only if you're a boring person. (laughs) Uh, You know, if you have an imagination and and you enjoy – uh, watching a number of different things transpiring all at the same time, uh, none of them especially obvious, then baseball is a great game, and I love it. And I have the good fortune to live in a city where there's a wonderful old ballpark called Fenway Park. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> traditionally, at least uh, over the last little while, a very competitive team, uh, currently battling the Yankees for first place in the American League East. So I love baseball, and uh, I played fast-pitch softball for many years and and, uh, never found it slow, (laughs) never found it boring, and uh, don't find it boring to watch either. So I have no problem with it, and uh, I'm happily simultaneously a big soccer fan and a big baseball fan. Was that your sport, uh, baseball, fast-pitch softball? Well, to say that anything was my sport is a little misleading because, uh, as I have said numbers of times, I was uh, the the uh, intramural athlete par excellence. I could play anything, but I never played anything well enough for anybody to mistake me for a prospect. <laughs> so I had a great time playing sports growing up and uh, fast-pitch softball when I was older. But uh, it was uh, playing at rather than playing in my case. Uh, Staying with baseball for a moment, uh, efforts uh, are underway to speed up the game. Are you a fan of what they're trying to do? It depends on what they're trying to do. I mean, I've heard some proposals which are so silly uh, and and also so ultimately destructive of the game that I would not want to see them, uh, you know, such as – uh, hit three foul balls and you're out, or <laughs> two strikes and three balls rather than uh, three strikes and four balls. Uh, on the other hand, if they can actually figure out a way to prevent the batter from stepping out of the box and readjusting his batting gloves after every pitch, uh, I'm all in favor of that. Well, the, the limiting the uh, the number of visits to the mound and things like that, 
That, that may speed up the game, but on the other hand, they have the instant replay, which takes three or four minutes every time they go to exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly the problem. And, and it's not just baseball that's being slowed down by whatever the manifestation of instant replay is in the particular game. Basketball now has the same issue. Yeah. You know, they stop the game and everybody goes over and watches the film. And it, come, come on, man. We got along for a lot of years without that, and, and basketball had a nice pace to it, and so, okay, now it's time for me to be characterized as one of those guys who says, get off my lawn. Only about 30 seconds left. Let me ask you this one to uh, end it. Should NPR be doing more sports programming? Uh, I think the listeners should be in charge of that decision. If <laughs> listeners were all to call their or write or email or you know whatever their public radio stations and say, hey, there ought to be more sports, then probably NPR and the and the particular stations would be very, very receptive to to the listeners. That's always been a strength of the network, as far as I can tell. Well, we've had a good one on the air for twenty five years. Uh, only thank a you. game, and thank you so much for that, Bill Littlefield, and also for being with us. It's been great talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Don. Bill Littlefield, soon to depart after twenty five years as host of Only a Game, heard here on Saturday mornings. You know, we need your help for our Behind the Headlines segment this Friday. We'll be discussing the local implications of a story that continues to rock the nation. What do you make of Donald Trump's policy that is separating migrant parents from their children? How should we respond here in St. Louis? And where do we go from here? The story is changing even as we speak. You can share your thoughts by leaving us a voicemail at 314-516-NEWS. Again, that's 314-516-6397. We'd love to hear from you. Archived versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.